Woohoo! Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show, uh, where designers are discussing design. We have two special guests for our episode, Matt Loomis and Isaac Shalev. And you might be noticing we only have two hosts. We have Tiffany. Want to say hi, Tiffany? Hello. And uh, yeah. Well, people will notice that we are missing Sen. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and so uh, we're going to try something different and just have two hosts for this episode. And hopefully two is enough for you. Uh, but we will be back to three hosts next week. Just a surprise meeting came up for Sen. So he's sad to not be here. But uh, thankfully, Tiffany figured out all the tech and um, we're, we're, we're here. This morning. <laughs> slightly, slightly late, but ama- amazing that we are here. Um, first off, I, you know, we like to chat a little bit before we get to our guests about what we've been doing, what we've been playing. And I got to ask, uh, my co-host here, Tiffany, what have you been up to lately? Um, lately we, uh, <laughs> well, on the house front, uh, I built a bunch of shelves in my basement, mm. um, which was super exciting because now we can get crap out of the house which is great but on the gaming front i had a video review drop just now on my channel like 20 minutes ago so go check that out after this show um and we also been doing live stream stuff still so we're live streaming tonight two player games you can vote now uh on my twitter there's a poll for what game we play live tonight and other than that i've just been freaking out and prepping for essen like that's about it. <laughs> that's a that's a real thing. That's understandable. Uh, I myself just came back from Grand Con. Had a wonderful oh, how was time. That? How it was, was that? it was excellent. Um, good a good presence there. Some uh, wonderful publishers. Uh, lots of uh, players, obviously. So I got to play some published games. Got to play some prototypes. I uh, got to test some things from other designers. Uh, so it was a really great time. Overall, uh, I highly recommend it. And um, even on the car ride home, got to design a game. So excited about that. When are uh, you not designing a game? Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's that's part of the sickness, right? Of uh, you, you get ideas and you got to run with them. And on that note, one of the persons that was at Grand Con was Isaac Shalev. Why don't we unlock him? And sadly, his co-designing partner wasn't there, but Matt Loomis is with us here. Uh, why don't uh, say a little bit about your time, Isaac, at Grand Con? Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, really great to see you uh, not uh, 24 hours after we last uh, saw each other. But Tiffa, <laughs> so nice to see you. I hope the new house is working out great. Um, Grand Con was a ton of fun. Uh, I got to go, I got to have my face up on a website as like an industry guest. So, um, it, there's, there's surely a smaller, um, a smaller prefix than micro famous to describe where I'm at. Is it like, uh, like quark famous? Well, uh, it's more famous than me. So <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. Well, it was, um, it was, you, you were a guest. I was a guest, so that was fun, and I got to uh, uh, participate in uh, some really cool things. We went out to dinner with a, a whole bunch of uh, industry VIPs. I got to meet Scott Alms and his wife, and they were absolutely lovely. Uh, I got to test some of Mike Fitzgerald's legacy game. Uh, he's got a new one coming out uh, he's working on called Hard Boiled, a, a noir legacy game. I don't know what else I'm allowed to say about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was super fun, and, and you know, we put some of our own plays, uh, some of our own... Um, what do you call them, Matt? Prototypes? That's the one. Prototypes. Put some of our own prototypes on the table, too. On that note, uh, what what games, because I haven't seen Matt in a while, what games have you been playing, and uh, what prototypes are you guys working on these days? Uh, let's see. Prototypes. We're doing actually more development than we are prototyping work. Um, you know, just finishing up some games that have been signed and doing some follow-up work on that. Um, prototypes, we have the... Like the primary one is the one that uh, Isaac was playing there. It was called Saturn Rising. It's going to be called something else. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've been kicking around a lot of different things. Uh, we have an idea for 
I don't know, lots of stuff, whatever. You, you never know until <laughs> if they're actually going to come to fruition. Like, you know, you can talk them up now and they're going to sound all kind of neat. And then you're going to ask six months later and be like, ah, I threw that in one of the garbage can. So it's like, it's <laughs> like, it's way more exciting, uh, I think, to talk about things that are actually a sure thing versus just like, yeah, I'm working on stuff. I mean, we're all working on stuff, right? That's the nature of the industry. So, uh, so yeah, as far as what I've been playing published wise, uh, let's see last two games that I played published, I actually just played uh, Maori. I'd never played that before. It was kind of unique. Oh, finally! Hey, yay! Finally, I feel like, hey! Yeah. I feel like every other week I say, so it's just like that mechanism in Maori, and you're like, I haven't <laughs> played that game yet. I traded for it, I played it, It's uh, it was pretty good. I liked it. And actually, the first, so this is, you know, I played for the first time Quirkle. Uh, I'd never played Quirkle ever, and really? I played it with my kid. Yeah. Uh, so I played it with my son. My six-year-old can play that game. It is actually a really good game for, you know, being like a... I mean, obviously, it was like a spiel the R winner. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised at how good it was. Yeah, I was surprised at how good it was. And my kid was totally able to play, too. And so um, the fact that, you know, he was even able to understand the mechanics at six uh, and understand some strategy at six was pretty cool. So that was the last two that I actually played. And a, yeah, you know, I've become a real like uh, advocate for this game, Lattice. It's spelled L-A-T-I-C-E. Uh, oh, I just which, got a copy of that. Yeah, it's terrific, and it really has been a Quirkle killer because it does a lot of similar things. You're you're matching either colors or uh, or icons in this case. They're not shapes, um, and you've got that same kind of grid-like puzzle. Uh, but uh, instead of having score and where you're writing down on a pencil and a pad and doing that addition, uh, it's really a race to get rid of all your tiles and good things to do in the game are those which allow you to eventually take additional turns. So making matches in multiple dimensions gives you the ability to take additional turns. I thought it was such an elegant way to take the score pad out of the game while giving you a very similar experience in terms of your decisions during the game. Nice. Yeah. It was interesting. Uh, Steve and I just tried it recently. The wind tiles definitely can, because you randomly distribute all the tiles to all players at the beginning of the game, we just had a game where I ended up with the majority of the wind tiles, wind tiles by quite a bit, and they allow you to push other tiles, so I definitely kicked butt. But aside from that... It was super great. Uh, yeah, the rules the rules say that if you're playing a more competitive game, you should divide the wind tiles equally, and that's the only way I've ever played it. Okay, so that's where we screwed up. See, that's why you're here, is to point out when I screw up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but while you're actually here... <laughs> well, uh, why, the reason why we asked uh, Isaac and Matt to come on today is because today's topic is about co-designing. Um, and these two gentlemen are people that co-design quite a bit with each other. Um, and so they have a lot of experience and can talk a lot on maybe their process or hints and tricks that they've maybe discovered. So we're going to, we're going to figure stuff out. If you guys, as always have questions in the, um, you can leave questions in the chat and we will try and bring those in um, as we see them slash as they fit in. Um, But yeah, I guess I'll start with Isaac. This one's going to be really, it's a softball, but. um, (laughs) Oh good. I can hit those. (laughs) How many games have you and Matt co-designed together so far or just how many games have you co-designed it period period i guess Uh, so uh i'm i'm monogamous when it comes to design i've only co-designed with matt um and i think my dreams of asking you to co-design with your dad (laughs) Uh, well you know it's i think i've told this story before but actually um I got into co-design because uh, I forget who it was, but somebody on Twitter said, oh, I just started co-designing. I think it might have been Grant Rodick. Um, and uh, it's amazing. It accelerates you. It's like it's so much more than double. It's like quadruple speed. And I just <laughs> randomly tweeted back and said, I, you know, I would love to do it. I don't really know any designers in my area, though, but I'm, I'm super open to it. And uh, of all people, John Gilmore uh, tweets back and he's like, sure, let's, let's do a co-design. Uh, and I thought, great, let's do a co-design. Then uh, Matt PMs me, and Matt and I had known each other for a little while already, and Matt PMs me, and he says, look, you know, I'm no John Gilmore, but uh, I would love to co-design with you as well. And uh, and nice. sure enough, you know, a couple of weeks later, I, I broke up with John, and, uh, and I've been exclusive with Matt ever since. There's a dashing smile, you know, what can I say? 
so yeah, I think we've signed seven uh, or so titles together, and uh, we've designed a handful more that hopefully will soon get signed, but something in that neighborhood. All right, well, here's the question then back to Matt. Why, why did you bother messaging Isaac? Why, why did you want to co-design? <laughs> Uh, I tried, like I tried reaching out to a few other people before. There's, there's just nobody in my area. Uh, I've actually tried to get some people in my area to co-design as well, or just work on design together. It just hasn't worked out. Uh, so I don't know. I tried, uh, you know, some other relationships that kind of became like one night stands. I guess you could call that, uh, <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, some ideas, and then you n- never have any follow up. Um, and with Isaac, it just, you know, it was yet another shot, right? Back in the dating, the co-design dating pool, I guess. And uh, it happened to work out in this case. So, I mean, why I chose him, uh, you know, like he said, we had met at, you know, we had met before, met at some other conventions, hung out a lot. Uh, personalities or thought processes were the same. And we had a lot of very upfront discussions um, initially as far as like, what are, you know, which was very different from anybody else, right? It wasn't, it was a lot less about like our initial discussions in regards to co-designing were a lot less about what game we were working on and a lot more about what we wanted to get out of working together, right? So it was, we approached it initially very much more like, why are we going to be doing this? Why are we going to be going into business together? And less about like, hey, why is this game going to be so cool? so that was, I, you know, I think that was a good sign and obviously has worked out for us. Yeah, having those kind of discussions seem invaluable. What, um, you, you said that nobody, like, local in your area was around or hadn't worked out. Is So are you and Isaac local? And how important do you feel being local and being able to meet in person is for co-designing? Isaac and I are far from local. Uh, okay. I'm in, you know, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, and he's in Connecticut. So, you know, I've flown out to him before. Um, and, you know, we see each other at conventions. But, no, we're not local. Um, I mean, local, honestly, if we could be, like, I think that would be the best, the ideal situation, right? Just being able to meet on a regular basis weekly, um, you know, would be able, would even accelerate this further, right? It would make make the entire process a lot smoother, a lot better. Um, but, you know, you work with what you can. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, some, you know, some co-design teams, you know, are local and can push out more content or push out, you know, regular content. But, I mean, everybody's got their own their own ways of working things through. Absolutely. I'm going to uh, jump this question to Isaac, actually. Uh... Uh, Matt Matt mentioned you know that conversation early on was more focused on on kind of how you're going to co-design together big picture stuff. Could you kind of talk through and maybe give some tips for people that are looking to co-design? What kind of conversations should they have early on uh, so that they you know can run the gamut the long term? Sure, and I, I hope uh, audience can hear me all right. Somebody is doing some gas fracking in my neighbor's lawn, so uh, I apologize if there's some background noise. But uh, what Matt and I talked about early on were things like what skills do we have and what gaps do we want filled? Uh, and I think that that was really important because uh, you don't just want to jump into an idea and uh, then figure that out and, oh, that's an exciting game. You really want to understand what roles you're going to play because there's so many things that go into getting games uh, from the ground up and getting them out uh, to the public. And I, I like to talk about how design and development are really just one part of it. After that, you still have sales and marketing and relationships and networking and all of the support uh, around continuing to be active in the industry. And so Matt and I really talked about a lot of those areas. We talked about um, how quickly we like to move from our heads to the table, how quickly we prototype. We talked about, um, you know, who will write rules, uh, who will do uh, balancing and tweaking mechanics, um, who's going to maintain relationships with publishers. And we just found a really nice fit that we tended to like designs in similar ways. I'm probably a little bit more trashy and Matt's probably a little bit more mathematical. But we had a lot of overlap and neither of us are scared of the numbers. Uh, Neither of us don't care about story. Um, 
But uh, we also found a comfortable space in, in me doing a lot more of the external facing stuff and Matt doing some of the internal facing stuff. And so when we saw how nicely we laid over and filled each other's um, uh, needs and wants, we knew that if the ideas were going to be good, we'd be able to get them to, to be published. We'd be able to kind of support that whole process. Yeah, and I like how you put it a little bit of a little bit trashy, a little bit mathy. It's like a little bit rock and roll, a little bit country. Um, uh, that's a good mix, and yeah, being able to fill the gaps is super important. And I think that's one thing that you definitely get with co-designing that you don't necessarily with with individual designing. Um, but we have a question, and uh, Brad Skaggs actually asked two questions from YouTube, and I'm going to pose these. The first one I'm actually going to pose to everybody. And we're just going to do a quick blast because I think there's a lot of answers to this one, which is what are the design hotspots around the U.S.? Um, he's always assumed Seattle. And there's been some stuff in the chat, like Margaret, uh, Marguerite, I don't know why I said your name wrong. I'm sorry, Max. Uh, Marguerite posted Seattle, Austin, Boston, Michigan. Um, I threw out Portland and the Bay Area. Um, I don't know if you guys know of any other hotspots. Anybody? Throw them out. You know, I mean, Boston to New York, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on throughout that corridor. I'm in it. Um, my little neck of kind of Fairfield County is probably um, one of the uh, little dips along the way. But if you move over to New Haven, there's lots of interesting things happening just east of me. Uh, and certainly New York. I mean, there's if, you know, if it's New York City, it's a hot spot for just about everything. And there are a ton of great designers uh, in New York and a, and a great meetup community. Gil Hova does a lot of work there, uh, keeping that community running and uh, keeping meetups happening. Uh, so yeah, I'd definitely say uh, from New York to Boston, you can't go wrong. Yeah. I was, um, where is it? Daniel Solis is located. I know there's a little. In design. North Carolina. That's, yeah, yeah, that's another hot spot, right? He's got a hot spot in that area um, around the college that they're at. I know that they do weekly meetup events. The Game Designers of North Carolina uh, is the organizing right. group there. That's run by Matt Wolf. Uh, and uh, they've got a podcast and they bring on all their members on kind of a rotating basis to talk about uh, design and talk about what they're up to. It's a really, really nice group, actually. Yeah. And then I know Toronto. Um, Toronto has a game making guild or is it a league? I can't remember. <laughs> um, game artisans, no? Well, the game artisans are across Canada, but we have, we have a guild that, um, you know, different chapters uh, within Toronto and, and region. Uh, we have an Ottawa chapter, a Kitchener-Waterloo chapter, and then uh, kind of a, a London and area uh, chapter. So uh, those uh, are kind of our kind of Ontario uh, chapters, but we're we're coast to coast. So we have Halifax to Vancouver and, and groups in between places like Calgary and Edmonton. And yeah, um, yeah so uh, those are in Canada, yeah. one, one of the ways to connect and uh, find some other designers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I travel, there's a group, there's a pretty big group in Madison uh, and Madison, I mean, that's in Wisconsin. So it's, you know, a fair amount, but there's a good design group up in there. Um, it primarily like revolves around uh, like the game crafter, right. Which yeah. is where that is housed. Uh, Milwaukee also has a sizable group uh, and Chicago of course has a really good design hotspot. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's actually a lot of, really notable designers and also just a lot of play testers even um, in Chicago. So, I mean, all these things are over an hour from me, uh, but I travel to all of them when I can. Um, but, you know, I think that design hotspots are going to be where you, where you can make them too. Right. Um, and it's not going to be a hotspot if you're, if you don't continue to keep going, right. Or if all the people don't continue to keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to call one more out, which is Philadelphia through Central Jersey is another really big hotspot. Um, there's a couple of conventions run by the uh, the Envoy folks, uh, including Dexcon, Dreamation, and Metatopia that form the hub of that community. But uh, there's designers uh, all through the state of New Jersey and in Philadelphia who, you know, you'd recognize their names, you'd know their stuff. Uh, Anthony Amato and Nicole Klein are out in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, just a, a really, really nice group. The, 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 you know, Jay Treat and Doug Lewandowski and all these folks. Um, and of course, Stephen Bonacore uh, is, uh, is in that area as well. Um, so really, really uh, great group. Jeff Engelstein designs uh, in that area. 
Uh, and they're, and even though these are names that lots of folks know, these people are super participatory and open and you can get them to play your prototypes and get feedback. Yeah. And I know West coast, there's not a lot of representation in this, in this chat of West coast. I think I'm sadly it. So I'll just quickly say there's playtest Northwest, uh, in the Seattle, Portland, Vancouver area. And then in the Bay area, I don't know the name of the group, but there is a group that meets under protospiel. Um, in the South Bay and stuff like that. So there's there's hotspots everywhere. I know Salt Lake, there's a group. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's here. in San Jose. Um, I'm trying to remember his name now. Uh, I can't, I'm blanking on it too, but yeah. And he's the one who runs Protospiel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't believe I don't remember his name. I can picture his face. I know, um, we hung out with him at the airport for like an hour and a right. half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy Commander. That's Jeremy it. Commander. Uh, so yeah, he, he, and he's another real advocate for the community and uh, community, uh, just uh, one of these network weavers. Um, so if you're out in the South Bay, definitely look them up. Awesome. Well, uh, changing gears just slightly, uh, we, we've heard, you know, it's, it's fantastic to be able to design together when you're local to one another. But obviously, uh, both you two uh, work uh, with a distance, and I know other co-designers do as well. And a classic example, Sen's not here right now, but Sen and Jay work uh, from afar most of the time when they get together. I'm sure just like you guys, you can uh, work through some some things fast. But what are some uh, – this question from Brad Skaggs. Uh, when co-designing remotely, what resources do you use to share your ideas with your design partner? Uh, and do you like call each other? Do you use hangout tools? You, you know, what are some of the, the ways that, uh, you can make the distance work to Matt? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there are lots of communication tools and any of them are going to work. I would say use for you personally, use what is going to be familiar, use what you're going to use on a regular basis, right? If that happens to be Slack, we use Slack all the time, um, for keeping, organized with all the design ideas, you know, if we're having just like, uh, you know, a three line conversation or a six line conversation, but it's about a game, you know, that is now recorded specifically in that channel. And, you know, we have, I don't know, 25 channels about all the game designs that were, that are currently going. And if we're talking specifically about that game, we're going into that channel for Slack. Uh, we did use Hangouts for a while. Uh, we had some like technical difficulties that kind of pushed us away from that. But again, if it works for you, use that. Uh, we've moved on to phone calls um, more than Hangouts. We used to do a lot of video chat. Uh, we've moved on to just you know, calling on the phone and then talking that way instead. Uh, we're actually talking a lot more frequently that way, so that's also worked out as well. Um, email, of course, but I think you want more of a central location. I know that Sen and Jay have like a forum set up, um, which was, you know, probably set up before, you know, the advent or the the popularity of things like Slack. Um, but there, I mean, any, any of those uh, project management tools are really going to be helpful and useful. You know, we host all our files in, in Google Drive, so they're always available, you know, not only wherever we are, but to each other. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's like, th that boils into like general project management in regard in regards to just, instead of just specifically to design like that's going to be a skill that you're going to you're going to gain or you're going to you're going to either acquire from somewhere else or you're going to acquire here and then be able to use somewhere else and just and be better overall yeah and what about scheduling so this is i had this question and brad Skax also asked this um matt how do you do you guys have um a design schedule goal in regards to like i'm gonna get, I get this game out in a year two years a quarter and then, like, how do you schedule? Do you have weekly sync ups? Like, what's how do you schedule yeah. work? Sure. Uh, I mean, like our communications, we schedule like our we have weekly calls, uh, which are you know for us our Monday at this point. Um, you know, we if we have something else pop up in the middle, you know, we'll just shoot a phone call and and chat for a while uh, if we're both available. Um, in regards to design specific scheduling. Um, you know, once we usually work with deadlines of, well, we need, we either need to have this ready or decide that it's not ready by this event date, right? We're either going to be pitching this at this convention or we're not going to be pitching this at this convention. Um, and those, those are like the, the, 
primary hard and fast schedules that we have. Um, because sometimes, I mean, when you're when you're doing something creative like this, you're sometimes you're going to have a glut of things that you're able to work on. You're going to have a slew of ideas, and they're all going to be moving forward at you know a fantastic pace. And then you're going to have like seven things ready for an event. And sometimes you're going to be killing things left, right, and center because those playtests just aren't working out. You know, the fun isn't there, the mechanics aren't there, whatever the case may be. And you might find yourself with you know a, a very limited pool of things to be offering. Um, you know, now granted you could adjust that based on your expectations for how quote unquote good, uh, you want the game to be or not before you're pre presenting it to somebody else. But, um, those are the, the main deadlines. I mean, we do have some goals as far as what we're trying to accomplish. Um, uh, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, I, maybe Isaac could chime in, but I'm pretty sure we're exceeding that already. Um, as far as like what we're trying to accomplish in a given year. Right, we're looking at the long term, not just like ah, in the next, you know, we need to have a game ready in two weeks, uh, unless it's two weeks before Origins, and then it's like, you know, we need to have a game ready in two weeks. So, totally the uh, the chaos just before shows, and yeah. the pulling the, the pulling together of the prototypes the last little bits is uh, always a fun frantic time. Yeah, uh, at, let's maybe jump right into that a little bit, Isaac. Uh, I'll go to you, but. Um, we've heard a little bit about your design process, you know, between the shows, but then at shows, I've seen both of you, uh, go into pitches, but I know Isaac is more, uh, the pitch guy. Can you talk a little bit about the dynamics of a pitch and then even after a pitch, um, you know, being co-designers, who, who's communicating with the publisher? How do you juggle that kind of thing? So there's not too many voices. Yeah, that's definitely uh, the area that uh, I do most of the work on. Um, and I do it in two ways. First off, uh, Matt and I will talk about what we think is great about a game, like where is the hook. And um, when I also uh, teach the game, I try and find, I try and work different lines out, try and uh, identify what's the quickest way to both explain the game and also really get people excited about it. What's fun and interesting and exciting, all working to getting down to that, you know, one or two sentences that make somebody excited to hear about the game or kind of puts them in its frame. Um, and then also some, you, you end up finding some patter, some banter, some here's where the laugh line is, right? And you kind of uh, work it out. Matt will hear me do this over and over and over again. So by the end of a convention, he's heard me deliver the same joke 30 times. And usually by around like the 15th or 16th time, he'll be like, that joke is not working. And I'll be like, it's not working for you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it can wear out when you hear it that many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and, and it's actually really helpful to have Matt hearing those things because really after the first two or three pitches, I'll turn to him and say, Matt, what am I doing wrong, right? Where Where is this not landing? Because it's so hard to get that perspective on yourself. You, you don't hear yourself. You don't, you know, you're, you're performing in the moment and he has the opportunity to evaluate how people are, are accepting and receiving this um, and we'll change it up on the fly and he'll say no no take out that bit that's not working try and do it this way focus more on the experience you're too much on the mechanism uh, all kinds of things like that so uh, that's a huge part of I think why we're successful in these pitches is that we're iterating on them even as we go um, and that's a, a, some of the work that I do before a con is not just cutting up prototypes and sleeving and things like that. It's really doing a little bit of practicing what a pitch should be like. Um, going forward from a con, uh, I pretty much do 99% of the communication with publishers. Um, you know, Matt CC'd on most of the emails and so forth, but there's a lot of just touch base. There's a lot of, hey, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. Just wanted to say, hey, did you have any rules questions? We're available. Um, just maintain that, uh, that kind of friendly uh, but put us back on top of your to-do list kind of uh, touch base. Um, and so the, the only frustrating thing about it is that, you know, uh, it, it's sort of like at work it's frustrating because people use reply all, and at game it's frustrating because people don't. <laughs> so you wind up with this situation where like <laughs> Matt was on every email except the last one where they offered us the contract. Right. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, so yeah, so that's that's a little bit, you know, and sometimes I'll even like kind of they'll ask a rule question and I'll kind of turn it to Matt, not because I don't know the answer, but because I just want to remind the publisher, hey, there's two people here um, and, and just kind of get them thinking of us as a team. 
uh, I think that's important to our brand and it's something that we've been talking about also in terms of maybe coming up with a name for our design studio so that it's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm by nature of having my own show uh, a little more visible than Matt is, I think, within the broader community and I demo for Eagle Griffin and just I'm a little bit more uh, visible and um, we really want our uh, our thing, our project to, to kind of have a brand and a way to reference itself. Yeah, you guys need a cute couple's name. I can't... Yeah, I don't know. Like Jordan and Mandy? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Well, you guys could get shirts with your names on them. That would help. Yeah, that's Then you'd just be ripping on their stuff. You were talking about con prep. I mean, I think most designers know that before the con, you're just you're just cutting and sleeping everything under the sun. But how does that work with co-designers? Whenever you guys need to make multiple prototypes, are you guys making two of everything because you guys aren't local so you have to test remotely um do you guys if you're both going to the con do you split the work of creating the prototype um yeah well usually what happens for us is that uh each person is kind of holding on to certain designs so like right now i'm holding on to this this saturn rising which is it's like a spaceships flying around in a robo rally meets hanabi kind of way so I, i'm i'm holding that design and uh, so I don't even think Matt has a prototype for it. He sees all the files. He reads the rules. Uh, he hears the playtest feedback. Um, but uh, I don't think he's actually got that prototype. Uh, similarly, he's holding on to a couple of games uh, that we're working on. And so um, we've got a, a game about, you know, uh, building a town and then having monsters come and stomp on it. Uh, sort of like how everyone played SimCity in the 90s. And um, so he's got that design. And I actually have a, a, a sort of a semi-prototype of it. It's probably not up to date, but I've got like some cards I can lay down and, you know, do something with. But he's kind of leading the design. Uh, over the life of the design, we'll, we'll swap, right? We'll trade off at different times. So by the time it comes to prototyping for a convention, it's whoever's got the design makes the prototypes typically. Uh, every now and again, we'll wind up with multiples. Like uh, I made my own version of Saikatsu because it's just so much fun and I needed to play it all the time. And so I had a version of that that I brought to a con. Uh, but no, typically it's whoever's holding it is going to be the one who makes all the prototypes. Okay, so you guys are just mailing stuff a lot, I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, we mail nothing. No, we don't oh. physically. I mean, we, we mail stuff to, to publishers, but we create print and play files for one another and we'll make you know local prototypes if we need to. Um, we've used Tabletop Simulator a little bit. Uh, it's a real pain. <laughs> so it's more useful, I think, for remote pitching, like video pitching European publishers, than for maintaining an ongoing prototype. But I, I talked about this actually with, with Dirk Niemeyer. And so from his perspective, as a company that has more resources, it's very easy for them to maintain a digital version for prototyping. But for the two of us as like people who are doing this on a hobby basis in terms of the hours that, and the resources that we're able to put in, it's just a little too much to, to maintain a digital prototype in, in earlier phases of, uh, of, of working on a game. Yeah, I've heard Steve cuss a lot at Tabletop Utopia, so we <laughs> get that. <laughs> Cool. Going, uh, jumping back uh, to Matt, uh, talking about this being a hobby uh, on the side, you know, both of you have full-time jobs. How do you uh, juggle and what do you prioritize um, are conventions or shows that you need to attend? And, um, and what advice would you give people out there who may have never been to a convention? Um, we we recently, recently just did an episode focused on conventions, but uh, just give them maybe a, a little um, additional information on that front, especially as co-designers. Do you divvy it up? Do you um, try to go to shows together so that you can work on stuff together? What are some tips in that, in that regard of co-designing and doing conventions? Sure. Uh, as far as like divvying shows up, I, I think that, that Isaac is traveling to more shows. Well, he is traveling to more shows than I am at this point. Um, just there's a, a case of schedule, uh, you know, a case of availability or, you know, willingness to, to, to make that flexibility and, and attend those shows. Um, the, the major pitch, the major pitching conventions right, right now for us are, you know, Origins and Gen Con. Uh, we both attend those. They're, he, Isaac will attend some smaller conventions um, that are, you know, a bit more local, 
Um, I you, can, you know I attend some local conventions here where you know it's 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 just more of a case of how much time do you have on the weekends you know how much money are you willing to pay for travel what are you going to accomplish by doing so now as far as advice in regards to co-designing you know you should try to attend a couple of the same conventions especially the biggest ones in a year sorry about that apparently somebody's at my front door um like especially the bigger ones in the year but I would say that if you are going to take the effort to to attend those conventions, um, that you make the most of them, right? Uh, that you either accomplish that you're going to the same convention to either do, you know, to accomplish a goal to pitch 20 publishers, or you're going to, you know, work on co-designing. You know, half the time you're there, not just like go there and meander around and and you know be the the typical introvert that a lot of us really are, right? If you're if you're going to take the effort, I would say make sure that you're going to go be extroverted for as long as you can. Go and make the most out of all those opportunities that you can while you're there and and don't be afraid to do so right don't go there and be like yeah i really don't want to talk to anybody why did i even do this like get over that before you go right um i, I know that's not really necessarily related to co-designing but i think that's that's advice for anybody any designer who's asking themselves should i be traveling to gen con should i be traveling to origins right if you're going to origins and you have one pitch with a publisher you didn't you know, you didn't prep enough. You you should have more than that, um, in my opinion. Well, Origins especially, because we heard in the last show when we were talking about conventions with Origins, you have a lot more opportunities to pitch because it's it's somewhat of a smaller show. Right. But I want to I want to go back, Matt, to I think that you touched on something that a lot of designers and just a lot of people in general have potentially an issue with, and that's being an introvert and going to these conventions, mm -hmm. um, especially when you have to put yourself out there, pitching to publishers. Do you right. have any, do you have any tips or any advice to help people get over um, their nervousness or anything like that that you use that might help? So, I don't know, I found a design partner who's very outgoing and willing to talk. I mean, he, he'll say that he's an introvert in like his you know, normal life in other industry, but like in the gaming industry, he's like a big extrovert for some reason, uh, or seemingly a big extrovert in comparison to all the other introverted people we have. Um, I, I mean, the only, the advice that I would have is that realize that everybody is, you know, everybody in this hobby is pretty introverted to begin with. So, you know, you're not, you know, you're not like going to walk up to somebody and they're not going to understand why you're shy or they're not going to like hate you for asking them a question or asking them, you know, if you're, if you're going up to a publisher's booth and saying, uh, you know, Hey, is there somebody that I can talk to uh, about pitching games or, you know, I'm a game designer. I have, I have these ideas. Is there somebody that I can meet with? Uh, you know, nobody's going to hate you. They're not going to like shun you and they're not going to talk bad about you behind your back. I mean, that, that's really more of a general advice, um, you know, boosting self-confidence and just in accepting that, yeah, there's there's going to be no's and there's going to be yeses and there's going to be, there's, some people are going to have time and some people aren't. Um, you know, you can try to, you can try to pave that with a, a fair amount of prep work, you know, making sure that you've sent out your emails, which are easy for introverts or should be because it's not face-to-face -face communication. If you have appointments, it's very easy for somebody uh, mentally to just be like, yep, like they have time for me because we made an appointment and that should be a lot easier. So doing that work ahead of time uh, should hopefully help out in that regards. Uh, I, I want to follow that up uh, and turn this question to Isaac, but I know both of you are very intentional about this and are thinking through this. And so I know it's kind of a moving target, but what about branding yourselves as uh, co-designers? I know uh, you've thought through that already and you're also trying to find out new ways to, to do it even better. What would you give as tips uh, to other co-designers out there or designers in general on how to start building a brand for themselves or start building, you know, uh, an expectation uh, from publishers? Oh, God. I think we're maybe the worst people to ask no, this question. No, no, no. I think, I, think you got, I think you guys are very intentional, and I think you're continuing to work on it. So you might be open with good questions. Well, I don't think that we've cracked this nut. Uh, I do think we've thought a lot about it. And uh, so I'm I'm a little hesitant to give anyone else advice because I think we're still finding our way. Sure. Um, 
I think where I would start is less thinking about your brand to consumers and more thinking about your brand to publishers. And what I mean by that is, you know, this is probably something that, you know, your mother might have told you when you were growing up, you know, if I said to this person, I'm, you know, Isaac's mom, what would they say to me about you, right? How, what, what's your reputation? You know, what's, uh, what do people think of you? And when it comes to publishers, we uh, really want publishers to think of us as uh, inventive and clever, right? We, we make lots of different kinds of games. And so if you're going to have an appointment with Isaac and Matt, you're going to see some new and interesting things uh, that are relatively uh, broad, eclectic. You might see a dexterity game. You might see a worker placement game. You might see a, a party game. You might see a, a stock mechanism game. Um, so we want them to know that it's going to be inventive and creative and clever. Uh, but we also want them to know that we are, uh, that we're business people, right? That we are not going to, um, act in unprofessional ways, that we are sophisticated in terms of talking about contracts and licensing and thinking about markets and thinking about brands. Um, all of those things are important to us uh, in how publishers think about us. And, uh, and lastly, uh, we want publishers to know that we are good communicators and that we're not going to leave them in the lurch and we're not going to do something and then not get back to them. And if we make a commitment, they can count on us to be there on time, uh, that they can count on us to be at meetings, that they can count on us to respond to emails and so forth. So that's what we want our brand to be. Okay. So building brand, I mean, I think building brand is important in anything that you do. And that's, that's a, the fact that you're bringing something different to the table every time is, is pretty crazy i feel because i'm just trying to do one game right now and it's blowing my mind how do you come up with or how do you do you do you two decide like we're going to build a worker placement game or do you guys do you just have inspiration or how do you pick the next thing that's going to be the new innovating like what's your secret essentially <laughs> <laughs> well i want to i want to say first that i'm not sure that this is a good decision right that and in fact we've heard advice from people saying it's a bad decision. So, um, you know, it, when you think about like Uwe Rosenberg or Stefan Feld, everyone knows what kinds of games they make. And uh, they've established a brand for themselves around uh, mechanisms. Um, and we haven't done that. And we also haven't established a brand around a theme or, or even like Scott Alms, Tiny Epic Something. Now, the truth is those games have many different mechanisms and he is quite eclectic as a designer, but the box feels the same, right? It's in that same size box and it's, it's got that same name. And so there's more stability there. Um, so maybe we're making a terrible mistake. Uh, and, and I just want to put that out there. So, you know, if anyone copies us and fails, ah, we admitted it up front. Um, but in terms of getting all those ideas, so Matt and I started from uh, a place where we had been designing on our own. And when we kind of first got together, we opened up our notebooks. And I think most designers probably have tens of ideas that are not yet games. And you sort of go through them and say what seems promising and what doesn't. And over time, your idea generation happens much more quickly, much more quickly than your ability to create games. So you never really run out of ideas. It's just a matter of which of them are going to snap into focus enough. Um, I think for Matt, Matt probably does, and you know, he can speak for himself too because he's here, but I think Matt probably is able to run through what a game will feel like in his head much more effectively than I can. I tend to want to get it to the table and see if it talks back to me. But both of us have uh, very, very, very little patience for darling designs. So if a game isn't working, we're much, much more, you know, going to just walk away from it and try something else because there's no shortage of ideas. and We'll find something that sings. And when you have that experience of putting a game together and it does sing, it reminds you, it reinforces to you all those games that aren't working and just walk away from them. You're going to find something that really works. Oh, there's my mic. <laughs> uh, this this is uh, going to maybe, I realize our time is just flying by, uh, which it always does with you guys, which I always appreciate such good uh, good advice that time flies by. I, don't, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask about some of the games that are coming up on the horizon, which ones you couldn't talk about. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw this at Matt, and Matt might throw this at Isaac. I don't know. Uh, but Matt, why don't you at least start us off? with uh, what we could look out for. I know there's a Kickstarter coming. 
Is that right? Uh, yep, there's a Kickstarter coming from Gray Fox Games called uh, Panda Pursuit. Uh, so that's it's funny because uh, one of the things that we really really like about the game um, is it has a you know a, a neat little innovative uh, score mechanism, uh, but at, at its core, and we kind of joke about this, but it is the truth that it is a roll and move game. Oh right? God, don't say that. That's the oh, one thing the no. publisher told us not to say. Oh really? <laughs> oh well, I missed that memo. I missed that memo. No, who, who watches this show? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean like, but it, it's funny. It's not. It's obviously not just roll and move. There are decisions to be made, uh, but there are dice uh, that are that are rolled in relation to the movement. So, uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's a designer joke and it's not actually as funny as I think it is. Um, so yeah, that's the Kickstarter that we have coming up. Um, we have a couple designs coming up for uh, 2017 and 2018 already. Um, you know, the the only one that I can, I mean, we don't have anything locked down as far as dates. I don't think publishers do that until like, you know, three minutes before they decide to print. Uh, right, you know, when the boat's <laughs> on the water, they tell you the release date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, the boat's uh, in the port. Well, <laughs> oh, right. and fair enough. I mean, there are boats on the water that can't dock now. There's that yeah, whole I was thing. just going to say, there's a lot of things swirling around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I think we're allowed to talk about uh, uh, Saikatsu coming out from IDW. They're, yeah. they're shooting for spring, uh, so we're excited about, uh, about that. That's a, a tiling game uh, where you're building this shared garden, but you're competing over who has the best view of the garden. Uh, and if you've been following along on uh, on my Twitter feed at uh, Kind Fortress, uh, you've seen lots of pictures of it and lots of people uh, playing it. It's, it's one of those 15, 20-minute games that everywhere you are, you can just take it out and play it. Um, so that's... Video. Is there not yeah, a video? There, there's a video on the BGG stream. There's even one on YouTube on my channel, uh, which was the pitch video, actually. Uh, so you can see how I pitched a pitch uh, using video and using Tabletop Simulator. It's on Tabletop Simulator. If anyone wants to go and check it out, you can find it. It's open. It's available. You can be playing this right now on Tabletop Simulator. I don't know why you're still watching. You should be playing Saikatsu uh, on Tabletop <laughs> Simulator. Um, and, watch and uh, play. Watch, watch and, play. and play. And that's S-E-I-K-A-T-S-U. Um, and uh, in 2018, we'll have something from Arcane Wonders, but we're not allowed to uh, say any more about that. Um, and uh, we are actually right now in the process of uh, signing what will be our, I think, our 10th design. Um, so we can't say anything because the ink is not dry, but uh, sure. we're, in, we're in the negotiation process. Party uh, coming soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely uh, vague booking or vague blogging or vague tubing. Uh, yeah. But, uh, vague but yeah, <laughs> vague bragging. No, the bragging yeah. is not vague at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so those those I think are the uh, the things coming out uh, in the next uh, in the next little bit. But don't forget that we just had Retreat to Darkmoor, which came out uh, at Gen Con from uh, Action Phase Games, uh, Indie Boards and Cards. Uh, so that is a hot release, and uh, I hope uh, everyone will check that out. And of course, uh, you can still pick up um, Ravenous River. Cosmic Kaboom will be delivering soon, uh, which is Matt's design for Minion Games. And um, and of course, if you want to go back catalog, you can uh, you can also pick up uh, Dragon Flame, also from Minion, which uh, was a Matt solo design. Yeah. Um, so we've touched on this like a little bit you guys have given great advice um but i want to focus it in to advice that you would give uh new designers and it can be for solo design or co-design i mean whatever you want but um i'll start with matt what advice would you give brand new designer uh my advice for brand new designer would be and you've Maybe heard it, but it's important uh, is to fail faster, right? A, I mean, I guess don't be afraid to fail and accept that you're going to fail and actually look to fail, right? And the reason that I say this is because you're going to learn more things from failure than you are from success, right? If you come out, you design a game, and your your design just automatically works and and it gets picked up and published and you sell you know twenty thousand copies, uh, you have no idea why that happened. Maybe you have some idea, but you don't have a lot of ideas, right? But if you're in the trenches, if you're, you know, really understanding mechanisms of, of how a game works and trying new things and they don't work and you try something else and they don't work and you're actually analyzing 
why those things are not working or what didn't work, what did work, uh, you're going to grow uh, and, and become a better designer in the long run than just kind of a you know one-hit wonder uh, that could happen to some people. So yeah, fail, fail, be okay with failing and look to fail faster. That is great advice. All right, Isaac. I think I would uh, recommend that designers ask themselves what they're really trying to get out of this hobby or this job or this career. And ask that question of yourself in the beginning and repeat that question every year. Uh, if you want to make games because you want to play with your friends and with your family, that's one kind of engagement. And if you want to, you know, Matt and I are, are not shy about this at all. We want to be commercially successful designers. That's our goal. We want to make games that people buy and play all over the world. And in order to do that, we got to do a lot of things uh, like becoming part of the industry and networking and relating to people and, and helping others so that uh, we really are contributing to uh, the hobby as a whole um, in order to achieve that. And if we just wanted to make games that were fun for us to play with our family, we wouldn't need to do all those things. So ask yourself what you want out of this. And it's okay if that changes, but then go and do the things you need to do to make those goals happen. Awesome. Well, our time is gone. Thank you so much, both uh, Isaac and Matt, for being with us, chatting with us, giving uh, our viewers lots to chew on. I want to give a plug for next week's episode. We will have Gil Hova, who was mentioned uh, already in our discussion, and Jeremy Salinas, the um, man versus meeple. Uh, we'll be discussing design with player count in mind. Uh, an interesting topic. So if you uh, are curious, we'll talk about the whole spectrum designing with, you know, small player accounts, large player accounts, spectrums of player accounts. Um, you know, can you design a three player only game, all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you're interested in that topic, uh, we'll be doing that next week. Uh, Sen will, um, no, I don't think Sen is back with us uh, next week. Brian Lewis will be in his place. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or online and all that good stuff. So till then, keep making great games, and we look forward to playing your game soon. Ciao.